Welcome back, all you Orange Shoe podcast listeners. Um, thank you so much. Um, for any of you who have listened to multiple episodes, just thank you. Um, it's been really cool to track all the analytics of this podcast and see kind of how over the years there's been more listeners. Um, we have reached the 6,000 listen mark. So um, it's been really cool and it's been a pleasure and it's been really fun seeing um, more and more people listen to each and every episode. And um, if you enjoy these episodes or you enjoy the Orange Tree podcast, um, the best way you can say thank you um, is by just recommending it to your friends and family. So um, thank you again so much for listening. So today's episode was a fun one. I got to learn um, so much about Ayurveda. Um, we had Andrea Russell on, who is, I mean, credentialed to the max. I mean, if you go to her website, she's got every certification. She's, you know, in the process of getting her uh, doctorate in um, Ayurveda. So I learned uh, right along you guys as you guys listen to this all about Ayurveda and just all the holistic approaches um, to about just learning about oneself and what's going to make you feel your best. And that's one thing I love about Ayurveda is that it's not one cookie cutter way of looking at health. It's about just being in tune with your body and figuring out what's going to work best for you. So um, Andrea has so many different resources on her website. I have it linked in the show notes, so check it out. She works with people one-on-one. -on -one. She does. Um, she has yoga classes that you could attend virtually. Um, she does uh, retreats in Costa Rica and Wisconsin. So she's offering so much uh, great knowledge and so many different ways to connect with her to learn more about Ayurveda and um, just kind of becoming more in tune with your own personal health. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Um, like I said, I learned a lot just chatting with her. Um, on this as well. So before we uh, get into this amazing episode, here's just a quick message from our sponsor. Is your nutrition preventing you from reaching your goals? Do you enjoy eating healthy, but don't enjoy or have the time for all the prep work? If so, then I highly recommend checking out Lean Feast. Lean Feast is the premier meal prep service in the Madison area. They take out all the guesswork and provide you with quick, healthy meals on your schedule. The best part, you get to choose what goes into your meal and how many you purchase. Let's say you struggle with eating healthy lunches during the work week. Then you could go there, purchase five lunches, and eliminate that struggle. The meals take three minutes to warm up via microwave or stovetop, and then they are ready to eat. Season with your favorite spices to add your own little flair. Gone are the days of running to the drive-thru or skipping meals altogether because you failed to plan. Head over to Lean Feast today and use promo code OSPODCAST for 10% off every order. You will not regret this decision. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Orange Shoe Podcast. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to just chat with me and just, you know, drop so much knowledge. You're just like I was talking before I pressed record, just looking at your credentials. Like, I'm so excited to learn. And um, it's rare when you get an opportunity to speak to somebody who has so much knowledge on so many different things, so many different topics. And uh, it's just so I'm really excited to not only learn myself, but for you to, you know, pass on your knowledge to everybody that listens today. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today and um, really looking forward to this, this time together. Awesome. So let's go ahead and start off with, I think like the big, like the big thing I want to start off with before we kind of get to know a little bit more about you and kind of how you found Ayurveda and things like that. First off, I think it's just, what is Ayurveda? So I think a lot of people are going to look at this podcast title and they're going to be like, I have never seen this word before. I don't know how to pronounce it. And what is this? So I think kind of starting there will be a great kind of jump off. And then we'll kind of uh, backtrack a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about you and how you found it. 
Wonderful. Ayurveda is the indigenous medicine of India, and it dates back about 5,000 years. It's often considered the oldest continuously practiced form of medicine in the world. And although we say that its roots or that it um, you know, began about 5,000 years ago, we have classical texts that are about 2,000 years old that we still use today that still have relevance in our modern life. And the word Ayur, so Ayurveda is two words, Ayur, and Veda, and this is, uh, you know, in Sanskrit. So the word Ayur means life. And according to Ayurveda, life has um, several components, body, mind, senses, and soul. So it's a very holistic approach. You know, we often think of body, mind, spirit, but here we're bringing in uh, this this quality of senses. And I can we can go down a rabbit hole with that, but I'll keep going <laughs> with uh, the second part is Veda. So body, mind, senses, and soul. Um, is what encompasses life. And then the word Veda means science, wisdom, or knowledge. So we can think of Ayurveda as the science of life. It's teaching us how to live a life of longevity and health. And from an Ayurvedic perspective, why would we want a long life? You know, why would this be important to us? And so if we kind of dive into that a little bit, it's the longer we are able to live a healthy life, the more time we have to fulfill our purpose or our dharma, whatever that is individually for us. So the aim of Ayurveda is to provide a long, healthy, happy life for the individual so that they can fulfill their purpose in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot like it's to do with vitality. You know, I think a lot Absolutely. of us, we could live a long life. We could live to 90, but are those last 30, 20 years just ridden with sickness and medications and in and out of the hospital? Like, Nobody really wants that. So I think, you know, you know, looking at the holistic approach of Ayurveda and everything that encompasses it. And like, I, I can't wait to dive down, you know, some of the, the rabbit hole stuff like you're talking about <laughs> doing a little bit of research myself and seeing all the, you know, you got the taste and you got, you know, you got all the different um, you got elements and all how all that all ties in right in the doshas. And I was kind of um, my wife was kind of helping me figure out what my dosha was. And so I'm excited to dive into some of that stuff. But yeah, it's like the vitality sense is so important because it's the with the holistic approach Ayurveda is like, we're going to try to not only create longevity, but make sure that we're having that longevity, but being able to do it in a, in a way that we're we're youthful and we're energized and we're able to live those those years of our lives doing the things that we want to do and not necessarily like being a prisoner to our bodies because we failed to kind of take care of it. So completely, completely. So I love that you mentioned the elements. So Ayurveda believes that the entire universe is made up of five elements and those five elements make up you and I as well. So we have ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And so everything has these five elements, but when we study them a bit more deeply, we'll see that you likely have more fire and I might have more air or another individual might have more earth. And sometimes a lot of the Sanskrit terms can be confusing for folks when they come in. And what I really encourage people to do is just start looking around and noticing where you notice the elements and how some people have just a more earthy personality or a more airy personality. And then it becomes a lens in which we can see the world through with greater compassion for our differences and greater understanding as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting once we were 
chatting a little bit more and obviously talking to my sister-in-law, Haley, who's done some of your courses and, um, you know, learning about the different doshas and then, yeah, the elements that go with your dosha. And when you start reading this stuff and you start thinking about that individual person that, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, that is, that is that person to a T. And like, so it is really cool to see how, how, um, true they are to once you kind of start reading and learning about them. So that'll be something we could chat on, but I know with you, um, kind of reading a little bit of your backstory and kind of how you started, you know, practicing Ayurveda and what kind of led you to it. And, and it's really, it really interesting. And a lot of it kind of came down to, um, you experiencing some health issues yourself and realizing that, man, if I don't take control of this, you know, I'm not going to have that vitality. I'm not going to have that longevity. So I would love for you to speak a little bit on, you know, how you found Ayurveda and what really kind of, you know, propelled you to really take a deep dive in and now also now become a professional in the field and with, you mm. know, you currently pursuing your doctorate in Ayurveda. So, you know, um, I would love to just hear a little bit of your backstory. Well, I entered into the world of wellness in the late nineties. I actually wanted to be an herbalist and then opted to go to massage school and get my yoga, yoga certification and started teaching. And, um, I had just prior to that, I had lived in a cabin in the Redwoods in Northern California. <laughs> sounds amazing. And when I read that, that sounds really was, nice. It was really a pivotal time in my life because when I um, left my parents' home, I really didn't know exactly who I was and what I wanted to do. So going to live in the Redwood ca cabin with no electricity, no plumbing for six months was <laughs> really the best thing I could do to discover who I was, also independent of my, you know, maybe family of origin or what is expected of us culturally. Mm -hmm. So it was a very informative time because it's when I got very interested in health and wellness. However, at the time I picked up a parasite <laughs> living in the woods. And so I came back with this passion for health and wellness and like living close to nature and, you know, being in tune with the natural world. And then I also, you know, had digestive issues. And so the next many years, very interesting. It was like a parallel. In one way, I was learning more and more about health and wellness and diving deeper and studying. And then at the same time, my own health was challenged. And um, I, you know, went through all the routes of Western medicine and many different, uh, you know, different natural healers and holistic paths. And still my digestive issues um, persisted. So I had chronic IBS. And it wasn't until um, I got serious about Ayurveda that I started to notice a change. And I say get serious because back in 2001, I actually explored going to Ayurveda school and I just couldn't make it happen. And I was just simply doing that because I knew it was like a sister science of yoga and I really loved the theory. However, I hadn't had much lived experience with it at that time. And so when I dove into Ayurveda more personally to try to help heal my own gut, I was amazed at how quickly it turned my digestion around, given for over 10 years, I had been really struggling. And so Ayurveda is what helped me repair my gut, return my digestion to a healthy state. And, you know, th that can just really, as we know now, the gut brain access is so interconnected. Mm -hmm. So when you heal your gut, it can have an impact on your body and mind in really profound ways. So that was my entry in. And then um, 
I slowly just started studying more specifically. So in 2014, um, I decided to start going to school for Ayurveda. And, you know, there's, I've pretty much been in school continuously <laughs> since 2014 in some manner. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was my own physical health challenges that made me shift from exploring it just on a personal level to wanting to share it with others. Because at that time I was also a yoga therapist. So I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one yoga. And what I kept bumping into is that my clients needed the knowledge that I had with Ayurveda, how Ayurveda had helped me, but it was out of my scope of practice. I hadn't done any training in Ayurveda. So I didn't feel that it was um, in alignment to start teaching something that I actually did not have the credentials to do. So primarily the reason why I started going to school for it is I felt like all the ways that it had helped me it could help the people I was working with one-on-one. -on -one. And so it motivated, motivated me to then go to school. Yeah. It kind of alleviates that like imposter syndrome, right? Like why would anybody Completely. listen to me? Like I don't have like these credentials or anything. It's just somebody who's just passionate about something and are they going to believe me? And so, yeah, I, I completely, I completely get that. Um, And so with with uh, Ayurveda, there's so many, like we were kind of, we hinted on it a little bit. There's so many different levels, right? We got, you got your doshas. And I think that is kind of like, first you need to, is that like a my spot? Like you kind of need to figure out kind of like your dosha before you can kind of start diving into the elements that are maybe important to you that represent, you know, you and will guide you into making, you know, different health decisions. Um, it can be helpful. And it's interesting because here in the U.S., how Ayurveda has come into America is very much based on doshas. Whereas in India, you might see an Ayurvedic doctor and they might not even tell you what your dosha is. <laughs> and so it's it's interesting to see how it's reflected here. I yeah. do believe it can be helpful because I think it's a source of better self-understanding and self-knowledge. And it will then give us the awareness to know how to make the right choices. It, and there's a lot of resources to finding out what your dosha is. And unfortunately, all the online dosha quiz quizzes that are available <laughs> aren't the best ways because what we have is you actually have two different doshas. You have your prakruti, which is what you're born with. So when you're born, there's going to be one primary dosha and one secondary dosha. Maybe your pitta vata, maybe your vata pitta or pitta kapha. Okay, there's seven combinations. And so you have your dosha, your prakruti that you're born with. It's based on, you know, your parents' health and your genetics and maybe even the time that you were born. And then you have what's called your prakruti, which is influenced by everything that has ever happened to you in your life. Everything that you think, feel, experience, and digest influences your makeup. And so what we find is your prakruti often is reflective of what is out of balance. Mm. So in many ways, it's almost more important to know what's out of balance because that's what you're going to work on. When you know what is out of whack, then you'll know what to address. And so that is where we start is trying to create balance with what is off kilter in your body, in your mind, in your health. And what we find is that as we balance the doshas, as we pacify whatever is aggravated, your true nature, your prakruti is going to shine through 
more fully. Mm. Yeah. That was like one of the questions that I have is like, what it, what happens when you're aligned with your dosha and what are some signs of like when you're misaligned and you're not living, you know, within your dosha and like, um, and that's probably like you're saying, it's just those, all the, the negative things that you're experiencing, like you're saying like IBS and health issues or chronic stress and, you know, a lot of other things that could be affecting you, um, in your life. And so with those, the three, um, I guess I know there's, they, they could go very deep, like the three doshas, like, but, um, can you just quickly go over just kind of maybe some of the, the characteristics of maybe each one, uh, like Kafa and Avada, like, like what kind of maybe some characteristics of each of those? Sure. So Vata, Pitta, Kapha. So Vata is air and ether. They tend to be very creative, very flexible, very adaptable. However, they can tend towards anxiety and insomnia. Mm. Digestively, they may struggle with constipation. Mm. Vatas tend to have a smaller frame, thinner, um, maybe more petite. Pittas. Pitta is fire and water. They tend to be disciplined, good leaders, very uh, organized and a visionary, though they can tend towards being quick to anger, critical or judgmental. Digestively, they can tend towards diarrhea. They tend to have a medium frame, medium muscle build. Then we have kapha. Kapha is water and earth. And they tend to be very loyal, very enduring, very steady, stable, grounded, but they can tend towards lethargy and sadness and kind of just having like low drive. They digestively can deal with um, like a very sluggish digestion, you know, very slow metabolism. They tend to be bigger boned and have watery, softer tissues. So we can see that there's three different doshas and we're always going to have one that's dominant and one that's secondary mm -hmm. yeah because like when we looking at the doshas like i could see myself in one a lot and but then you see a little bit of yourself in some of the other you know and so like for me i would myself like i'm very pitta like a lot of pitta is like who i am and um and i've and but then i'm like you know you're saying like they get angry and like anger and like that's not I'm I'm not an angry like anybody who knows me knows me like I don't like conflict I you know I'm a very even keel go with the flow my emotions don't control me type of person and mm -hmm. so that's where I'm like okay maybe I my my primary is pitta but then I maybe kapha or something you know like so my absolutely and what we're saying is that when the anger and the judgment and the criticism comes up, that's going to be a sign of an out of balance pitta. Mm. So it could be that you that have sense. a pitta constitution and you're just a very balanced pitta. And mm -hmm. so you might not be expressing those um, more shadow aspects because you have um, spent so much time on your health and your wellness and your well-being and you know you do the mindset work and the physical work that keeps you in a balanced place mm -hmm. and though know, since we you know orange you we're all about working out how can you know knowing your dosha or and just kind of like help you decide like what type of working out you do so like for pitta like i love the weightlifting and throwing heavy stuff around and like being very like aggressive with working out and like i just like to have you know really work out really hard as in like a kapha, you know, which, you know, 
someone who might be a little bit more slower that might tend to, you know, more yoga or more like uh, slower paced running, long distance running, things like that. So how can like knowing your dosha help you align with how you exercise? Mm, what a great question. So there's a term that uh, we use in Ayurveda is kind of the law of Ayurveda that like increases like and opposites balance. And so we bring that into every aspect of healing, whether it has to do with our body or our mind, the food we eat, the exercise we take on. And so we want to kind of keep that in the background of, you know, what our choices are. So in the way of exercise, uh, vatas tend to have a constitution that can be a bit more delicate, can get fatigued quite easily. So we want to take that into consideration they probably are not going to be able to run and have this, like they can run. However, they won't have the same endurance as kapha. Mm. Kaphas have a lot of endurance. So vatas might be, um, maybe they have, maybe they focus on walking or, you know, short runs or jogging, but maybe not super high intensity because we don't want to cause them depletion. They can get depleted easily if they, if they um, push beyond their limit, they can become depleted. So yes, we want vata individuals to be exercising, but probably low intensity exercise is going to be better for them. Um, paying attention to when they start getting fatigued or tired and actually listening to that, not necessarily pushing through. Mm -hmm. Then um, pittas, pittas tend to have the most drive and they tend to love intensity. What we often joke is when we say pittas, um, you know, they're going to be wanting to go like 200%. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. It's natural and it's not a bad thing. Like we should also celebrate these parts of us, right? Like, um, you know, somebody who has a lot of drive, that's very a pitta quality, but that's a wonderful gift that they have, right? Mm -hmm. And we often say with pittas for working out, they should try to work at 75% mm. because they have a tendency to probably push too far yeah. or too hard. But they also have um, like they will find a lot of joy and intensity. So what you want to do is give them the, like give them enough intensity that they can experience the joy of that. Then also kind of titrate it so that they're not pushing to 200% all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then kapas, it's interesting because kapas will want, they'll like, they'll want the restorative yoga, right? They'll want to go on a gentle walk. However, cardiovascular work is really important for kapha. They are actually the dosha that, you know, can kind of push the edge a little bit. They might not want to, but they actually can really benefit by ensuring that they're exercising enough and having enough cardiovascular work in their um, repertoire. I would say that Vatas and pittas do best with lifting weights. Kaphas can lift weights, but uh, they they need to make sure they're balancing that with um, some more cardiovascular work. And then if we think yoga wise, um, you know the 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 vata constitution is going to do best with the more restorative, slow yoga, um, more somatic based practices, a bit more of a gentle practice where kaphas are going to want something that's more rigorous, like the vinyasa flow. And pitta is mm -hmm. going to land in the middle. Pitta mm -hmm. should be someplace in the middle. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, like with yoga, it's like I do, it's like, it depends on what I feel like I need in the moment. So like sometimes exactly. it's, yeah, it's the slower yoga where I'm holding poses for much longer. I'm getting, and I'm, and because like I am, I did push it 200% all week and now I'm like, I need something slow or whatever. And then, yeah, then there's the times where like, I want to move. Like I want to sweat in my yoga. I don't want to hold anything too long. I want to up, down, all around. And um, I've been recently, my wife and I tried uh, Pilates with a Legree. So Legree yeah. Pilates, which is, I think like the Pitta version of Pilates, I guess. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> See, you it, get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's because you're like on the reformer and you're like moving around and like you're shaking every muscle in your body's convulsing and like, you're just like dripping sweat and you're like, it is a, a butt kicking workout. So um, yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm just like smiling as you're talking because it's just like, I could just see all like my own. Cause obviously we all know ourselves the best. So you just like see all your own traits and characteristics as you're talking and like, yep, that's me. Yep. That's me. I've done that. Been there. So that's really cool. And with Ayurveda, so we, you know, got the exercise down. We all know that nutrition obviously plays a huge role in just, like you say, our gut health and our gut to mind connection. And we heal our guts and we fuel our bodies with the proper nutrients that it needs and that it's asking for it can just lead to so many breakthroughs and now improvement in pretty much every area of your life, right? You're going to sleep better. You're going to exercise. You're going to get more from your working out. You're going to work out more consistently because you feel like your energy levels are better. So that's why I love fitness and I love um, taking a holistic approach because I always call it the ripple effect. Once one thing, once one thing kind of starts to get together, it like ripples and just helps you with everything else. And so let's dive into a little bit of the nutrition side. So what is Ayurveda, you know, what are, what is like, yeah, the nutritional guidelines with Ayurveda and I know, is it some of it with kind of like sort of like the elimination diet in a way where you're kind of going to step back away, cleanse out the body, slowly integrate stuff back in to see what aligns with you, like what makes you feel good, but then also what gives you diarrhea and like, oh, I need to eliminate <laughs> that. So what are, what is some of the nutritional guidelines with Ayurveda and maybe pertaining with the doshas? From an Ayurvedic perspective, we believe good health begins in the gut. Mm. That also means that disease begins in the gut. Mm -hmm. So, and of course there's a few exceptions, you know, in the way of mental health and such. However, most often, most of the time for most people, good health is going to begin in the gut. And so when we start to explore Ayurveda, that's really the first place we're going to go. How are you digesting? Because if you don't have optimal digestion, you can eat the best foods. You can take yeah. all the supplements. You can eat you know, the most organic meal made with love. And if you don't have good digestion, you aren't going to metabolize and assimilate those nutrients or mm -hmm. that food. And so the very first thing we want to explore is, do you have any signs of digestive issues? What would those be? A lot of folks are like, I have great digestion. And then you start talking to them and you're like, mm, not so much. So that is um, not normal. Any, That's <laughs> so um, it might be common, right? I think it's common to have these things in our culture, but it's not necessarily healthy. So if someone has gas, bloating, acid reflux, constipation, diarrhea, a feeling of heaviness after their meals, or at any time throughout the day, those would be signs that your digestion isn't optimal. So the very first thing we do is we want to try to what we call the digestifier is Agni. So we want to reinstate Agni. And so Agni is your digestifier. And you can think of it as a campfire, right? If you have a campfire that's smoldering, 
you wouldn't put a great big log on it. But that's what a lot of folks do is their digestifier is really low. Maybe they have sluggish digestion, slow metabolism, or don't feel hungry for their food. And then they go and put a big meal on, mm -hmm. you know, the fire. And so the very first thing we're doing is trying to restore balance in the digestive fire so that you can metabolize and digest and assimilate in the best way to give you that deep sense of vitality and energy and help build healthy tissues, you know, and the way of working out, you guys are probably often thinking about how can you build healthy tissues, healthy muscles. And so that's going to um, begin with healthy digestion. So there are a lot of herbs and teas people can take to help balance out the gut. Sometimes just food is enough, like we look at food as medicine. So for some individuals, if it's not a chronic digestive issue or it's not very embedded, simply using food as medicine can turn the health around. Other times though, you might need specific herbal measures or teas to help. Then we look at what's going to be the food that is most ideal for the individual. So vatas are going to eat slightly different than pittas and slightly different than kaphas. So each dosha has particular foods that are going to be supportive and specific foods that are going to be challenging. So we don't necessarily count calories or macros or micros. It's not that that's bad. However, we're looking at just through a different lens, we're looking at what are the foods that bring the doshas to balance um, for the individual. And there's also, as you mentioned, this idea of cleansing each season. So I offer four times a year, these seasonal cleanses and digestive resets. And it's pretty remarkable what just cleansing each season can do for your digestion, your health, your sense of vitality, um, the clarity of mind. And so we'll, we will put emphasis on cleansing when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know there's it's a lot of times, you know, with food and like you say, you're, you're just, you're just keep piling on the wrong stuff. And we wonder why we're not seeing the results. Like I know there's a lot of people in the fitness industry that, yeah, just pound the supplements thinking that the supplement is going to get them to where they want to go. And like you're saying, like all they're doing is you're, you're just, you're not, body's not like, digesting that supplement at all. Like you could take mm -hmm. it all you want, but your body is just not digesting it. And you're just kind of like pretty much wasting your money and exactly. <laughs> you're just like and your, overloading your digestion, yeah. right? If you can't digest it, but you keep putting more and more supplements on it, you know, it can kind of weigh down the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like you said, like with, you know, food, it can be the medicine. And then sometimes we need to, like you said, the herbs, the teas, that's where like a lot of us are very, um, you know, we're, we're, we're deficient in a lot of things, you know, that we can't get from our food um, that you might need to supplement in order to get things going in the right direction. And I was just so interested too, we're talking about, um, listen to another podcast and stuff. It's just talking about, you know, just over farming and how our soil just is lacking so much less nutrients. That's so like, we're not getting the nutrients from our foods that we necessarily think we are anymore mm. due to just over farming and the soil, not having as many nutrients. So then if the soil doesn't have the nutrients, whatever you're growing in the soil now isn't absorbing those nutrients. And so now the, the kale or the vegetables or the fruits that you're eating are now just less nutritious in general because of that. And which was really interesting. Um, like, like the sunlight above my head here, it's coming yeah, in. From that's like, great. Like, I know. Like, oh, You've got the Bible rays coming yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It looks kind of cool. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, food, um, it's something that we, I think a lot of people just don't necessarily think about because we live such busy, stressful lives that like the food is the last thing where I just need to eat something. I just need my calories, whatever I just need to eat. And we don't necessarily realize like how important the food is really playing in our lives with just our stress management and our energy levels and how we're sleeping and how we're digesting. And, and it's amazing how many people just live their lives with like constant diarrhea and they just think it's normal. Like, oh, it just yeah. is what it is. You know, it's just who I am. I've always had it. Like, it's just no biggie. And I'm like, no, like, you shouldn't. That That is not normal. That shouldn't be like your day-to-day or you shouldn't have to get used to that. Um, you can. And so, yeah, there's with, um, we had a client who she was, um, yeah, just dealing with some health issues. And she, you know, um, there was a book, I'm trying to remember the name of it, um, Hormone, Hormone Balance or Hormone... I'm I'm, missing, I'm forgetting the name of the book, but Hormone Intelligence, that was the name of it, mm-hmm. Hormone Intelligence. And um, the book just really helped her understand um, just, you know, it was a very kind of like, let's strip down the diet. Let's kind of slowly introduce things back into your diet. And by doing that, kind of like that elimination cleansing diet, she slowly kind of added things back in. And she realized like what would then, because she cleansed it out and got into like a good neutral she was able to figure out when she added something in what affected her and then how much it affects her. And then now she's got it dialed down to where she knows how much of something she could have in a week where it Mm -hmm. won't affect her, but she loves dairy, right? Like, so it's like, okay, but I can only have dairy once a day, like once a week or twice Mm -hmm. a week. If I do more than that, now I'm going to be running into issues. And so she's like learned so much about her digestive system that like she's dialed it in, which now helped her lose like 50, 60 pounds and her energy levels are amazing. And she's working out the most consistently she's ever been. And so it's amazing how resetting and it all started with the diet and her gut now has led her to now seeing results in all the other aspects of her, her life. I love that story. And that's exactly what we see. My cleanses in the spring and fall are 10 days. So it's not a tremendous commitment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will come into them not feeling their best selves, yet not able to pinpoint what it is that's Mm -hmm. off. And then just by doing that 10 day cleanse, and like you said, eliminating some of the challenging foods that we might eat and slowly rebuilding, it's pretty remarkable the insights people have. And then with that knowledge, they can make better choices going forward. Mm -hmm. And so with, um, so I was looking at some of the other things. I know Ayurveda, there was um, reading a little bit about taste. So like sweet and I think spice is one of them. And so with food, as we're talking about food, um, let's talk a little bit about the taste and like the different mm. taste uh, palettes, I guess you could say, or taste structures or. Of course. So uh, taste is called rasa. So rasa also means flow um, and or juice. And so rasa, there are uh, six different tastes, sweet sour, salty, bitter, pungent, astringent. So based on these six tastes, certain doshas should focus on having more of certain tastes and less of others. So for instance, the sweet taste, uh, sweet, sour, salty, is what balances the vata dosha. However, sweet doesn't mean going out and having a Snickers bar (laughs) or a donut or what. Using it as an excuse. (laughs) Exactly. So when we think about foods that have the sweet taste, we're thinking of carrots and beets 
the root vegetables, also most grains and even meat and dairy. So those would be the foods that would have more sweet taste. Sour, of course, we're gonna think about all the sour fruits uh, that, that we would have. Um, and then salty is things like celery and um, chard. They have like a slightly more salty profile, seaweed. Um, so it's getting enough um, of those tastes that are gonna be most balancing for the vata constitution. Doesn't mean that they can't have bitter, pungent, and, or astringent, though those are going to be taken in moderation. Mm. Pitta is going to be best with sweet, bitter, and astringent. Sweet, bitter, astringent. So we already talked about sweet. So pitta, bitter, is going to be all the bitter vegetables. So zucchinis, bitter gourd, um, you know, all of the uh, like kale and uh, dandelion greens and things like that. And then astringent would be things like legumes, mm. uh, the beans and uh, cranberries, uh, pomegranate, things like that. So, um, and then kapha is going to be balanced best with bitter, pungent, astringent. Mm. So kapha is going to want to stay away from sweet, sour, salty. So we look at what dosha is out of balance and then how are you eating and what tastes do we need to increase in your diet and what tastes would it be wise to minimize? And so we can look at how we eat through the tastes, both for the individual and then also look at seasonally. We often say the earth provides the antidote. So what's growing in season is also going to help us be healthiest that season. Mm -hmm. And one of the gifts we have being in Wisconsin is we have a lot of CSAs, community supported agriculture. So earlier we were talking about how, you know, the soil can be depleted and how do we make sure we eat well. And I think the biggest thing is, although the tastes are a wonderful lens to help refine our diet, if you're new to Ayurveda or new to eating this way, I think the biggest impact you can have is to reduce the processed foods mm -hmm. and increase the whole foods. And then if you want to take it a step further, find a CSA so that you're eating more locally because they say in the way of creating a healthy um, microbiome in your gut, the more that you eat locally, the more it improves your um, gut flora. They've done so many studies where the dirt that is in your region actually provides the essential things you need for your flora and digestion. So, is that wild? you know, <laughs> yeah. So if somebody's going from, you know, eating at McDonald's, well, then can you shift away to just eating non-McDonald's and processed foods? And then once <laughs> you get to processed foods, can you shift from processed foods to whole foods? Yeah. And then when you get comfortable eating a whole food diet, can you shift to eating more local foods? You know, so we can see that improving our health it happens on a spectrum. Like Ayurveda can meet you exactly where you're at and mm -hmm. then show you step by step how you can improve your health over time with your choices that you make around your diet, your lifestyle design, your self-care. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how like where you live and eating the local food is like, it's like, you know, it's like you live in Wisconsin. Here's what you need to be eating from this area Absolutely. because we got long winters. We need to make sure that we're supplementing, we're getting these nutrients. So that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know this answer. And so I was just wondering, thinking about food and taste profiles and like what really kind of works for me and what doesn't. 
is pittas is like something against like uh, working against i guess your dosha is would be like spice like something really spicy and hot because we're fire would that kind of go against because i know like i like spice but if i eat something that's too spicy i get the hiccups like my body's of like course. don't like stop eating this this is too spicy even though i do yes. like a little and there's some things that won't make me hiccup but um that was just like a thought when you're explaining that was maybe yeah being pits on fire just fire against fire is that like not good exactly so pungent Pungent would be all the spicy foods, right? And pungent could also be things like ginger, garlic, onions, cumin seeds, mustard seeds, um, chilies. And so what we see is that if you have a pitta constitution, it's best not to have spicy food. Now you could still use spices, but you'll want to use them in a way that more tolerable or um, kind of moderate. So mm -hmm. for instance, pittas do really well with coriander and mm -hmm. fennel and cilantro because those are all cooling spices. They can have turmeric and cumin. Those are going to be slightly warmer. Then they might want to stay away from things like red chilies or chili flakes or mustard seeds because those things are going to be hotter or spicier yeah, yeah chili and flakes there and those things kill me they get one <laughs> exactly. of those in the back of my throat and it's over yeah and then it's also looking at in the winter as a pitta you probably can tolerate a little bit more spice and mm -hmm. then in the summer you probably have to be extremely mindful because the fire element is stronger in the summer so it's going to fan the flames of pitta mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And like you're talking about eating with the seasons and we love eating with the seasons and what's, you know, seasonally grown and what's in, you know, fruits when they're, it's, they taste so good when they're in season, but in the winter you want more warming things. And Absolutely. so yeah, like eating with the, eating with the seasons is like, I think so important. And, and also another one of those like overlook things when it comes to just like how you should be eating um, yeah, throughout the seasons and throughout the year to really kind of help balance you. Mm -hmm, exactly. So you're talking about how um, you kind of talked about you do like the, so kind of getting into a little bit of like the services you offer, right? So you offer a lot of different services and you um, said you do cleanses, right? And you also do, you have some online courses, you have yoga. I know you've been doing like, do you, and then the, is the yoga online or sometimes is, is that in person as well? I offer, so I have an online studio that has a membership and also you can come to classes standalone as drop-in. So I have um, three to four classes every week and all of them are online and then Fridays are in person. Oh, very cool. Very mm -hmm. cool. And then you also, I saw you have retreats as well, mm -hmm. which uh, we talked about my sister-in-law Haley did. You just got back from the one in Costa Rica, which looked amazing. I mean, you do two back to back. So you're down in Costa Rica for like a month, right? Uh, I was there three months this year. I tried three to spend, months. Wow, yeah, I tried to spend is... as much time there as possible. So I started leading retreats uh, to Costa Rica 10 years ago. So we've gone every year. And um, we also go to we've also gone to Greece um, and Bali as well for retreat. And the Costa Rica is just such an incredible country, such an incredible place. The retreat center that we stay at is on 30 acres of secondary wow. jungle. And it's very lush and green and there's a, you know, there's hiking trails and a waterfall. We're just a few minutes from the ocean. And every day on retreat, we 
wake up and we practice what's called noble silence. And this brings us all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about how Ayurveda puts um, emphasis on the senses. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I find our culture in the modern life pretty overstimulating on the like our senses. And so whether it's being at the computer all day or just like how fast and loud everything is. And so Ayurveda puts a big emphasis on restoring our senses. So on retreat, we always start the day in silence and we practice noble silence through meditation, seated and walking meditation. We have our breakfast in silence. So it really gives you this opportunity to restore your inner reserves, restore your nervous system and nourish your senses in the jungle. And then I always give a talk, an hour long talk on Ayurveda, followed by a two hour yoga class. And then you have the whole day free to go to the beach, go surfing, go hiking, relax in the hammock. And uh, and then we come together again for dinner. And it's just a really beautiful way um, to take care of yourself and mm-hmm. have both kind of a vacation and a retreat uh, and the same experience. Yeah. It sounds like such a great way to start your day. Imagine if, you know, and I think that's like a, probably one of the big takeaways is like, how can we, can we not start our, we can't do four hours maybe of quiet and alone time and two hours of yoga, but what can you learn from this retreat that you could take home and be like, yeah, I can do, I can wake up 15 minutes earlier and give myself that time and then go into 10 or 15 minutes of yoga um, to make sure that you're starting your morning. I think the, you know, the, one of the worst ways to start your morning is grabbing your phone and looking at your email, oh, completely. looking at your email <laughs> inbox and you're just like, your cortisol just spikes and you're just like, the rest of the day just feels like a run around mess. And I feel like that's how a lot of us start our days is very mm-hmm. frantic and like, go, go, go and slowing down. And I think sometimes that's why we maybe run into health issues and just high levels of stress is because we never actually give ourselves time to actually like be in our own head and ask ourselves like what is it that we want and what is it that we we need or we want more of in our days and how do I want my day to look you know what time do I want to wake up what time do I want to start work what time do I want to exercise and like giving yourself that time to to plan your perfect day and I think so many of us just fly by the seat of our pants that we next thing you know 10-15 years have passed and you have never asked yourself the question of like what does the perfect morning look like for me? And you're like, I don't know. I've never even thought about it. Yeah, there's, you know, the studies now show that when you do look at your phone first thing in the morning, it sets you up for a day of distraction. I like to think about what are you orienting to? When you wake up in the morning, are you orienting to the source of your life or your health or vitality, reality? Are you Mm -hmm. orienting towards reality or are you orienting to technology? email, phone. And so what you orient to is going to set you up for either a day of being kind of wired into technology, or are you going to spend maybe even just five minutes? It does not have to be an hour, Mm -hmm. but just waking up and before you check your phone, can you sit for five minutes and just be aware of your breath or kind of just take a quiet moment to orient to what's important to you, what's meaningful. And many people like to begin with a gratitude practice, you know, wake up and just think of the three things that you're grateful for. You know, the there's gratitude journals and things Mm -hmm. like that, that are so wonderful. Um, But it also could be just sitting in your favorite chair and just taking a few quiet moments to let your nervous system enter the day from a more intentional conscious place. And I find that 
carving out those five, 10, even 15 minutes in the morning can completely change, change one's entire day. Mm-hmm. And is Ayurveda, do they, does Ayurveda incorporate like breath work? Is that a, a kind of an important practice, like learning how to learning how to breathe and different techniques for breathing and centering yourself and getting yourself in like a proper headspace or understanding mm-hmm. when you're starting to feel anxious and ramping up due to work or other stresses in life to be able to go to this breath practice to slow down like box breathing and different things like yeah. that. So is that, a, is that a pretty Absolutely. Um, and I would say that in my practice, um, you know, I, I mean, I work with a lot of different individuals though, a lot of my work is centered around improving digestion and balancing the autonomic nervous system. Mm. So a lot of my work puts a great deal of emphasis on the state of the nervous system and how that affects our overall health in such profound ways. And from an Ayurvedic perspective, we often say that like anything that you can use anything. So um, anything can be a medicine or a poison based on person, place, and time. So we're looking to find out what is your medicine that's going to help you at this time. And for some people, that's doing breath work. For some people, it's lifting weights. For some people, it's going on a walk. For some people, it's going to be sitting still and doing meditation. So, you know, what, what do you need? And one of the questions I often ask is, how do you feel? And based on how you feel, what do you need? So getting in this habit, instead of just being automatic about pushing through our days, to have these moments of mindfulness where you're checking in and asking yourself, how do you feel? And then based on how you feel, designing what you're going to do next based on what you need. So it's a real moment-to-moment awareness practice Mm -hmm. so that you can stay more aligned with your health and what's good for you. Yeah. And I can see how that could be so challenging for the typical person. Like we're never taking those breaks to be aware, you know, to check in with ourselves. We're just flying by the seat of our pants and going into that next thing. And I love how you said that anything can be a medicine or it could be a poison. And I love that because that allows every individual the ability to create whatever's going to work for them. Like you're saying, like mm-hmm. for me, like for me, like if I get anxious and I start to feel like getting like really anxious and stressed out, like working out is that thing for me. Um, mm. I go and work out and then I feel a ton better or I go for a Absolutely. walk and get outside and get some fresh air. You come back, you're a different person. Like, and so, but yeah, I, I could see how that isn't the same for a lot of people. Some people are like, yeah, working out is not that thing, but it might be playing 15 minutes of my video game that I love to play that allows them to check out and Zen out and, you know, recenter themselves and feel better. So I love how like, yeah, it's just like the whole, I think is like, everything's good in moderation. It's like whatever works for you. And that's what I love. And and I think there's so much on social media and there's so much being told that like, you have to follow this diet. You need to do this type of exercising. You need to do this. This is the best because of this. And this supplement is the best because of this. And we all think that there is a specific way that we all have to like toe the line in order to live a healthy life. And that is just like so far from the truth. And we've had so many clients that we work with because we don't, we're very like, we take that a very holistic approach at our gym where it's, we're not like your workout. And that's why we love personal training is that when you come to Orange U, your workout can look how you need it to work for you. 
We're not, you know, just because you walk in the door and you see somebody working out before you and they're huffing and puffing and dripping in sweat, but that's what that person wanted. And that's what like is, is that's where like, it makes them happy and fulfills them. But for you, we're going to be moving a lot slower. And that's, what's really nice about working with a personal trainer is that if you go to like a, a group gym class where like you have to do the class, you're now kind of being shoved into kind of like doing whatever that class is that day. But I think a lot of people have realized once they kind of start working with a personal trainer, it's like, oh, wow, like this is the, the workout is geared towards me and how I'm feeling any seven, any given day or any given week, because we know just any day. That's what we are like one of our first questions we ask our clients when they walk in the door before we start our session is, how are you feeling today? How's your body? And then we listen. And then if we have to make adjustments, we can. We have a lot of people that have come in and be like, oh, my goodness, Tom, I didn't, I didn't sleep at all last night. I am like super tired. Um, I've had this like crazy hectic work week of just meetings and just really stressed out. And I'm like, all right, perfect. Give me a couple minutes. I'm actually going to change up what we have today. This workout is not going to serve you at all today. I'm going to make something a little bit slower and we're going to do some like stretching. And then everyone's oh, like, oh my goodness, like that was exactly what I needed today. But, but they didn't ask for it because they think that you have to just show up and grind the stone. Like, and I always say like, is any one workout going to make you healthy? No. And, and if missing one workout or slowing down for a workout where you don't necessarily would label it a workout, you're like, oh, I just stretched. That's not going to ruin your results either. Just like eating bad yeah, for one day. It'll probably enhance it. Exactly. It will probably actually enhance your health and your overall goal. Because if when you feel like you need a more restful day or just a workout that's slower, or maybe you're lifting, um, you know, weights in a way that's going to give you grounding, that's probably going to serve you better, even with your long-term goals. Because if you push through and, you know, you don't listen to like what you need in that moment, it might actually deplete you or mm -hmm. cause you other challenges. So I just love how holistic um, you are with your personal training and mm -hmm. how you can meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think it breaks down because I think a lot of people have ran, you know, been, have had a bad, bad experiences where you just get beat down your two weeks into working out and you just feel horrible. Um, and I think that's like what you're saying is like meeting, that's our goal is to meet everybody where they're at. And as soon as we start looking at, at fitness and health and just taking care of ourselves as the rest of our lives, not just a two week cleanse or a seven day this, or a, you know, I'm getting in shape for this tough mutter in six months. We got to look course. at taking care of yourselves as the rest of your life. If you look at it that way, you can never fail. The only way you fail is if you quit. And if you never mm -hmm. quit and you just adjust and listen to your body, like every I would say like, you know, just like you say, we eat with the seasons, we got to work out with the seasons in the way of like seasons of life. So when Absolutely. I was in my 20s, I wanted to work out and I wanted to get as strong as I possibly could. And I wanted to back squat over 400 pounds. And it served me in that moment. But now in my 30s, I'm like, I, it doesn't serve me anymore because I know how much work it goes into putting into that. And I know how I feel when I worked out like that. It just doesn't serve me anymore. And that's mm -hmm. okay. And I like to tell our clients like, your working out is going to look different and taking care of yourself is going to look different in every, say, five years or every decade of your life. You're going to change it up. As long as you never stop, but you kind of change and listen to your body, you're never going to fail then because you're doing what's right for your body in the moment. And um, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you're right. Like, that is so true. And we have a lot of times people, I say, like, the greatest result with taking care of yourself is the fact that you can still do it in 20 years. 
So we all think we always have to, in a, you know, in American lifestyle, it's always climb the corporate ladder, achieve, let's get more, let's get more, let's go more. And sometimes we run into that with um, clients who are like, man, you know, I've been here for three years and I feel like I'm kind of stuck at the same weights. You know, I'm not really getting stronger and getting heavier. And I'm like, you're lifting a 50 pound dumbbell. How much stronger do you really need to be? Like the fact that you've been here for three years, you're actually three years older you're still working out and you're still able to lift that 50 pound dumbbell. The result is a huge is win. <laughs> yeah. The result is that you're still able to do it. We always don't need to get heavier and heavier and go longer and faster. It's okay to just find and just maintain. And now let's try to maintain that into your 60. And I guarantee you when you're 60, you're not going to care that you didn't push yourself in your forties or fifties because you feel amazing at 60 and you're doing everything that you've ever wanted to do. So I, sometimes I think we just kind of get blinded by that constant striving. Mm -hmm. I love what you just shared as it's so much about being sustainable, Yep. right? Like what is the sustainable growth for the individual and the long game, right? I love the idea that it's the long game and mm -hmm. really putting emphasis on that and that you can't mm -hmm. fail if you just continue on the path of taking good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I know one of the other services you offer, and I want you to talk a little bit about this, is that someone could work with you one-on-one. -on -one. So right now they're listening to this conversation and they're like, man, Andrea is awesome. Like, I just love her, her flow. I just like, just love her, like her energy. Um, how can someone kind of connect with you? And what does that look like when you work with somebody one-on-one? -on -one, what can someone expect? Of course. So there is um, an, an initial appointment and that is usually an hour and a half long. And prior to that appointment, you fill out an intake, which is going to be pretty extensive to get your health history, both past and present. Then we meet and I ask a lot of questions just to get a sense of what are your health goals? Where are you now? Where do you want to be? What are the challenges that you are facing? And we will look... Um, you know, not only at your health history, but also what are you eating? How are you spending your days? How are you digestion, digesting? How is your sleep? How is your energy level? And we get a really good picture of how all of those things are influencing where you are and where you want to be. And then together, we create a wellness plan. And most often, we're going to start with the digestion, unless your digestion is amazing. <laughs> we're going to put some emphasis on ensuring that we strengthen your agni, that you have good digestion, that you're eliminating well, you're digesting well. And then we'll look at are there health concerns that you have that are more chronic that you need support with. And Ayurveda has a lot of different both practices and herbal measures that can be a great support there. A lot of times the individuals that I'm working with were working alongside, you know, their allopathic uh, protocols and they're wanting to use Ayurveda to um, kind of just enhance their overall health or as a preventative measure for maybe what, you know, they've experienced um, in a minor way, they don't want to see it progress or they see their family history and they want to prevent something that, you know, is, uh, has been present in their family. So we might be looking at Ayurveda to either help reduce, um, chronic issues or prevent, 
Um, and then also I work with a lot of folks around mental health as well, whether it be depression or anxiety or insomnia. And so we might, um, you know, support in that way. And then when we work together, the wellness plan is going to have various herbs, herbal medicine or herbal teas that would be supportive, dietary recommendations and lifestyle recommendations. And I always ask people, do you want to just tippy toe in? Because if you do, we can just give you, you know, two or three things to work with. Or do you kind of want the full gamut of, you know, the path ahead? And then together we can choose what seems realistic. And Usually with Ayurveda, it's very helpful to have that first session and then meet again in six to 12 weeks to see how are you doing? Where are you improving? What kind of support do you need? And we might refine the plan and then we might change the herbs that you're on. Some people just see me those one or two or three times just to regain their balance Though many people I work with see me seasonally because they want to every season refine what they're working on. They want to continue forward. They want to make sure that for the season of the year and the season of their life, they're optimizing their health. And so um, either is okay, whether somebody just wants to come in for that initial session and, you know, integrate a few Ayurveda things, or maybe they want a deeper dive or continual long-term support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all depends on like, you know, who needs the accountability and who's like that person who's like, I just need the direction. But once I have it, I'll take it and run with it. Of course. And so who is your typical avatar, client avatar? You know, what mm -hmm. is that on a day to day basis? What is that person feeling? How are they acting? You know, what are they struggling with? What are maybe they not struggling with? And they're really like succeeding in who is mm -hmm. that? Who is that typical person? Yeah, it's so interesting because I know having like a, a niche is really, you know, the the way that so many people speak about business and entrepreneurship. And I work with so many different people with so many different health concerns. And that's what's great about um, Ayurveda though, because it's so it, open that yeah, is. there isn't necessarily a person. It's it's we can make it work for everyone. Absolutely. And with that being said, I'll say that. A lot of people right now, I find I'm working with people who have um, digestive issues that they want to improve their digestion. Um, a lot of folks I find right now are having some challenges with mental health because of coming through the pandemic mm -hmm. that they had a push through for so long and are now feeling the effects of having more anxiety than they ever had before or having a challenge with sleep. I actually was working with so many people that were struggling with insomnia that I created a course online, mm. which anyone can still take. And so the very first uh, class, I gave an hour and a half talk on Ayurveda's perspective of sleep mm -hmm. and gave a lot of home remedies of how to improve your sleep. And then the next several classes, I did a yoga practice and meditation and breathing practices that help support sleep. I did the same thing with the nervous system where I taught an hour and a half class on how to view the nervous system from an Ayurvedic perspective and how to use home remedies to balance your nervous system. And then the following weeks, I offered 
different types of meditation, yoga, and breathing practices that would balance the nervous system. So what I try to do is when there's a particular condition that seems to come all the time, then I'll dive into create it. a course. <laughs> yeah, I have another course on the pelvic floor because I was working with so many people with pelvic floor challenges. Now and this so explains I'll... your credential list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, exactly. Now it's all coming, it's all coming around here. I'm not, now so, I get it. Um, but I do, I work, you know, this week I've worked with, um, you know, one person who is having panic attacks, another person uh, is wanting to see how they can reduce their blood pressure without necessarily increasing their allopathic medicine. Another person I worked with um, had a stroke and we're working on restoring her system and kind of helping regain kind of nerve function and helping with um, overall brain function. And so, you know, every week it's different, mm -hmm. um, but- Which is probably uh, really I fun love, for you. Yeah, it is. It's so fun. And I mean, Ayurveda just can help um, in so many different ways. And I really love um, seeing the gains that people make over time mm -hmm. when they're willing to put in um, the effort of making changes to their health and diet and lifestyle. Yeah. It's amazing how much sleep plays a huge role in that. And, you know, we could, that's like a whole nother topic. We could like dive down another hour with sleep. And we just had recently had on the podcast, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who is um, really well known in the sleep world um, and mm. doctor. And he's, he was a sleep doctor for Navy SEALs for a long time. And then he's done a bunch of like Ted talks and he's working with a bunch of people. Like he's just kind of really built himself up as one of the, 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 you know, professionals and top people in in the sleep world. And it's just amazing that, yeah, like almost to the point where if you're not sleeping, that's where you, we have to start because Absolutely. if you're sleeping four hours a night, I don't care what we do with your diet or your digestion. Like it, it's, it's nothing is that sleep is so restorative. We need that so much. And um, so it's really cool that Ayurveda, yeah, it has their, you know, dives into the sleep because ultimately, you know, so many people are like, oh, I'm good. I'm good on five. I'm good on five. I'm like, no, you're not. Give me eight and tell me how you feel and do it consistently yeah. and you're going to change your world. So yeah, yeah you might be good for five today, but in five years, it's not going to be serving yeah, you well. That accumulation of poor sleep really impacts people's health. Uh, and yeah, sleep is so important. And then yeah, like having that bedtime routine, like you're talking about developing those those habits that you do before bed to help prep you um, to get a good night's sleep. And it's there... It, is Dr. Kirk Parsley is talking about, you know, all of us have this like great morning routine where we wake up, we brush our teeth, we walk and we eat breakfast and we do all these things to get us ready for our day. But none of us have that process for the evening. It's kind of like come home, eat dinner, and then like watch Netflix for three hours and then just try to lay down and go to sleep. And it just <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And that's, you know, it's starting to prep your body for sleep starts hours before bed, not minutes before bed. And, you know, obviously, you know, it all with the darkness and the cool and what we, what we ingest, the like, you know, warming things and stuff like that. So yeah, sleep is, it's cool that you're kind of talking about that is, you know, sleep is something that talking with Dr. Kirk Parsley and reading a lot of different books and stuff is learned a little bit more and following some other um, influential people on social media about sleep. It's, it's amazing um, what we're learning about sleep still and, um, and how important it is. So, well, Andrea, like, I feel like I could continue talking to you for, you for another hour, but um, I want to respect your time and stuff. So I just want to say thank you so much for just like hopping on today again and just like sharing your knowledge and your passion for what you do. I could just like see it in your face and how you talk that like this is this is what you were meant to do in this life. And um, it's like really cool to be able to chat with people who are so passionate about what they do. So how can somebody connect with you, find you, um, social media, website, all that stuff, if they just want to learn more about you and just like what
what you do and potentially looking to go into Costa Rica next year or in taking your retreats or working with you one-on-one. Thank you, Tom, for this opportunity. It's been an absolute joy to speak with you. I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and people can find me on my website, andrearussell.com. It's A-N-D-R-E-A-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. And uh, that has all my information about the cleanses, about working one-on-one, the retreats. I also have a retreat coming up in Wisconsin as well. So if uh, folks want to explore uh, a retreat closer to home, we'll be there in May and August. And then on Instagram, it's Andrea Russell Ayurveda. And you can find me there. And, uh, you know, I would love if any of your listeners uh, pop on, uh, send me a DM and let me know that you uh, learned uh, about my work uh, through this podcast. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, um, you know, send me an email or a DM. Awesome. That is great. And it's funny. There is an Andrea Russell, New York City yoga teacher. I actually found... I was like typing your name in and I was like, click. And I'm like, that is not Andrea. Like, and so uh-huh. yeah, there is another Andrea Russell.co or something like that. I think it's her middle initial. Yeah. So um, yeah, I definitely found her page too. And she's a, uh, that's Andrea Russell in yoga. I don't know. There, there's yes. And she it. leads retreats as well. So it does can she be really, really confusing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So find Andrea Russell.com who lives in Madison. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys connected? At all because you know, of like, and you know, clients looking for you or they're trying to find her and they find you instead. And yeah, no, you know, I've had folks reach out, um, you know, asking questions. And also there's also an Andrea Russell in Toronto and we have a very similar email. And so originally she would forward me all the emails that she was getting. And then after a few years, she quit. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, we've connected via email. There's somebody in Toronto as well. So um, yeah, look for oh, Andrea Russell in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. Um, I, I learned so much and it was such a joy chatting with you today. And I'm excited to um, get this podcast out and, and get the whole, get everybody in the Orange Shoe franchise and other people that have found the podcast to listen and and to learn and, and uh, just kind of pique their interest, right? I think that's so much about life is, you know, just learning and listening and being open-minded to other ways of looking at things and uh, other ways to approach health and wellness. And it may not be your thing and that's okay, but you still listen. And I'm sure there's going to be something that you could take away from, you know, everything. So thank you so much again. And I hope you have a, just a great rest of your week and, um, and getting ready for, uh, this weather to kind of finally turn for good and, um, getting rid of this kind of a chilly chilliness here in Madison. So thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much, Tom. And I'm so happy to hear about the work that you're doing in the world and how you're improving people's lives. Oh, thank you so much. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate every listen that I get. With that being said, if you have any feedback or any questions you would like answered on future episodes, please use the link in the bio above to submit me a quick little voice message you could do right from your phone. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your day.